we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tight to Andrew John. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Warramai and Wanarua lands, this is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the sport's best friends podcasting network, and we are brought to you by A-plus contracting and polywelding. Well, fresh off the bye, the Knights capitulated against the best team in the comp in front of a packed house at McDonald Jones Stadium. We're one from six at home this season, we have a barely better away record, and yet halfway through the season, it's looking real bleak. So that can mean only one thing. That's right, the Bay 53 boys are here to take you through yet another week of coming to terms with being a Knights fan amidst another devastating loss. Hey, mate, what's been happening? Um, yeah, not a lot. Football's shit. Um, you know, what, what do you say? It's, um, I feel like we say this a fair bit, it's a tough time to be a Knights fan, but for some reason at the moment it feels tougher than usual. Am I overstating that or am I forgetting just how tough it's been in the past? No, no, this is this is way worse than 2016. 100%. 2016, if, if you went there, you'd see a, a, spe- a spectacular Ross Dog try or, you know, you'd see a young kid score a try or something. There was something to get excited about. Mm. The last five weeks has been literally nothing to get excited about. Zero. I mean, and and those and this was something that you and I even discussed after the Warriors game in terms of, look, things are that bad at the moment. You have to be worried. You have to at least be happy with a win. But it, even it was even the manner of that win where you were like, there's nothing that can there's nothing that can get me excited because even after that you sort of felt that this week would still come along and wipe all of that out. And that's exactly what sort of happened yesterday. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, like, we, yeah, we won to our previous three. You know, we should be reasonably happy considering the season we've had. But there was no hope for yesterday. It was never going to go any other way than that. It's just, yeah, it's bloody devastating. Like, and you think you should, we've all been waiting for Braley to come back, but well, I've got no interest in that now either. Like, he's going to come back to a team with no confidence that it might be slightly better. Mm. Wow, fantastic. Yay. So what what difference do you think Braley makes to that game yesterday? I mean, do we do? We, does it mean we we just lose by less? Are we a chance? Yeah, to win? we just like, lose by we just lose by less. Yeah. Uh, you know, we might we you know we might sort of um, put on a little bit more in attack. We'll play better field position because the forwards will probably make more meters because they'll come onto the ball better. You know, the, the middle will be slightly tighter, but we probably lose you know thirty to twelve or something. I think one of the toughest things for me watching that game yesterday was that. One of the, I mean, one of the things you sort of pointed out on the last episode was that the idea of getting that wa- that, that that win going into the bye was that you get just a little bit of momentum, you have a week off to refresh, you come back strong um, after the bye. Well, we looked like a team that had played extra time last week. Like we just looked flat from the get go. There was not there was nothing about that team at any point in the afternoon where you felt they were ready to get going. That's the biggest concern for me with this team is the lack of energy always. Mm. Even even like 
basically, there's two games I reckon we looked energetic. The Roosters in round one and the uh, Perth first Penrith loss. Yes. Even the Tigers win, you know, that day we won We won by 20, you know, we won comfortably. But we were flat. We scored a lot of tries and kicks, a couple of lucky bounces. You know, there's only been two performances out of, what, 13 now? 12, whatever it is, 13, that we've, you know, yeah, we've, 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 we've had at least even 40 minutes of effort. Like, even the losses, you know, even, like, back in the dark days, there were plenty of times that we'd, we'd play really well for 40 minutes and the guys would be really enthusiastic. But now, like, we can't get 10 minutes of enthusiasm. So um, you, and I don't want to steal your thunder, you brought up an interesting um, stat about our run of the last five games in terms of uh, where they're placed in the club's history, in the last five home games. Yeah, it's the worst, it's the worst in the club's history. It's, it's it outstrips by, it outstrips 2016 comfortably. Um, even in those dark days when, we, you know, we got rolled by 60 and then 40 and then I think it's 40 again. We, you know, we had a couple of performances in there in, in amongst those games, we we you know we, we got beat you know twenty four to ten and stuff like that. Like we haven't we haven't got close in five weeks. In six home games, we've only had we had one win, but that's the only time we've even been competitive. Let alone one. Like that's that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for any club. It's unacceptable for a club like the Knights, where the home ground should be a huge advantage, and the entire playing roster and the coach leading into round one said our goal this year is to be nearly unbeatable at home. Well, you're very you're very beatable. You're very beatable in five minutes. So I, I like I I don't want to I, I want to spend a bit of time on this, or at least I don't want this to be understated. This is a team that came into this season, and we said at the beginning of the season, this is a season of no excuses. All right, we can't be saying injuries or bad, you know a tough draw or um, you know suspend. None. This was a season where they were supposed to deliver, and you're telling me that the last five home games is the worst this team has performed. Um, the Knights have performed in a five-game stretch, and nothing compared to what the 2016 team delivered. Bearing in mind that that 2016 team is the holder of the worst home loss in the history of the Newcastle Knights. That, that's how bad these last five home games have been by this team. That 2016 team, how many of those guys would even make this 30, let alone 17? Not met one or two? It's questionable. Gagai. Not, like Gags is in both teams. <laughs> Gags, is, Gags is in both teams, isn't he? Was Gags yeah. in 16? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, Gags was in 16. Yeah, like, but that's the thing. Like, one or two guys of that entire roster especially in the middle of the season when they had a few injuries, would even make our 30, let alone this 17. And this team is outstripping them for being shit. Like, it's it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the entire town, not just the club. So how does how does a team with essentially – and we talked it up. This is a team with five rep caliber – rep like representative players. And, and the ones I'm talking about in the starting are um, Caelan Ponga, Dane Gagai um, – Daniel Sofidi, David Klemmer, Tyson Frizzell. They've all played at rep level. They've all, I think they've all represented their country in some level. I don't know if the, has Gagai made a Prime Minister's 13? Or anyway, they've Gagai's all played. played Gagai's played for Australia. Right. So they've all played, yeah. or, they've all played Origin. The majority of them have played for the Kangaroos. How does that team then, with those players in them, play this bad? What What is, what, Take me inside a footy club where you've got that quality of player to put these performances together the way this team has. A very wise man told me a long time ago, 
physical sports, combative sports, you know, your, your, your rugby league, your AFLs, your American footballs, your combative sports, because you and boxing is another thing, because you've got to convince your mind that you'll be, you'll be safe. It's actually, it's actually confidence is the key to any any of those sports mm. because you've actually got to trick your mind to think I'm not going to get hurt today. I can put my body on the line and I'm trained and I'm ready and I can, and I will not get hurt today. So confidence is more important than anything in those sports. And once that confidence goes, you're actually your mind actually tricks you to the point where it doesn't commit your body, and that's what we look like. We look at like a team that we're so down on confidence that we won't put our body in harm's way. I don't I don't disagree with that sort of perspective or at least that um, possibility at all. They're, they're playing like a team that is so timid. Like they're just so withdrawn. Like, they don't. It's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. What really gets me really, really going is the insipid efforts in terms of chasing. Like I can, I can understand guys falling off tackles against bigger guys. I can understand, you know, guys making mistakes with the football. But... The, the thing I really loved about us, especially last year, was and maybe Braley's the leader is maybe Braille because Braille's always one chasing. Maybe he's on that sets the standard and it's fallen away without him there. And that's that's an embarrassment to the rest of the guys because if you can't do it without one guy there, well, you know, you shouldn't be playing professional sport. But I the, the chasing is horrendous, absolutely horrific. Like that Roosters game, every time the Roosters made half a break, there'd be four guys there. But ever since, it's been absolutely horrendous. The, the effort in chasing, it. like a guy, the team makes a half a line break and they go in and there's not only the guy that scores, the, the next four guys you see in the picture are all attacking players. Um, we we haven't seen, uh, I, I know it was an 18-0 loss uh, against the Sharks, but that was really the last time we saw any urgency in this team, any sort of, um, you know, look of uh, solidarity in defence because we've won two games since then and I maintain that the wins over the Bulldogs and the Warriors, they just out-shithoused us. We, we were not, we didn't play well in either of those games. We just came up against two teams that were god-awfully bad against us and they happened to be worse. Yeah, well, the Bulldogs game, you know, we were there. Like, we, we just had – we just dominated field position. We didn't want to know pressure. We didn't have to defend because we just had the ball all the time. We still only managed to score three tries against the worst team in the comp. And the Warriors game was when they did put pressure on us, it went bang, bang in the first five minutes. Mm. You know, it was only the fact that the Warriors went all Warriors and played the worst we've ever seen the team play for 70 minutes that we won that game. Like, I'm I'm, 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 I'm without clues. And I, I don't blame the coach for being without clues because how could you be? Like, Wayne – and I've, I've tweeted about it before – you got to remember, this is the club. This is not the coach. This is the club. Wayne Bennett weighed the finals once in three years. Adam O'Brien did it two, did the first two years. It'll be two out of three this year. He actually got a better record for making the finals than Wayne Bennett. Mm. This is a club problem. And, and, and Adam O'Brien said that in his press conference yesterday. These are habits that are two decades old. These are habits that crept into this club when these guys were in prams getting pushed by their mum. Yeah. And it's Ooh. so ingrained now in the club, they cannot rid, rid themselves of it. All right, well, look, I don't really want to – we'll do a very brief um, around the grounds. You and I agreed. We don't really want to talk about the game all too long. You know, you could really go back to uh, – pick any of the other home losses, and that's that's essentially – we're just changing the opposition's team to Penrith. Um, At least Penrith are good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 42 to 6 loss um, at McDonald Jones Stadium. It was the, and it was the, the, the free to wear Channel 9 game as well. So this was, should have been a, a big game. It was an opportunity for us to sort of perform. We can and never, ever win ever again if we don't get Channel 9 games. 
I think can I because they put us on a stack of games this year, and every game we've got absolutely obliterated. I, I think, to be honest with you, we, we haven't really had a right to um, complain for a few years now. And I say that only because even if we were performing what the last two years, well, we we still had a lot of bad performances in the yep. bank that we had to make yep. up for. So, yep. um, I mean, the writing was really on the wall for this. And Nathan Cleary's over the line in the fourth minute. And what disappointed me the most about the Nathan Cleary try wasn't the fact that he scored and it wasn't the fact that it was in the fourth minute. But everyone watching that game yesterday knew. They knew Nathan Cleary was going to come out with a point to prove after what happened in Origin. And there is no better way to get some confidence back than beating up on a minnow fresh after you fresh after you put a, in a performance you're not proud of. And we just we made it so easy for him. That was the most disappointing part about the way we started that game yesterday. You're right. So it was so predictable, mate. I put a multi on yesterday. Anytime try scorers. Uh, Cleary, May, Targo, kick out. <laughs> they were all down that one. They were all down the side where we where we where we shit, and I put them on all four and we scored. And I had it in the first half. Mm, yeah, and that's how predictable it was. Um, Cleary, kick out, May, Toe, uh, Targo, Crichton. Uh, sorry, Toe got the double. Um, amazingly, the only surprise to me that came out of this game was that. Um, they didn't score in the last 10 minutes, which, again, we're the worst team in the comp for conceding tries in the last five minutes of the game. Um, and actually, there was... That's uh, a lot of guys protecting their bodies. <laughs> um, the other thing as well that uh, came up in commentary yesterday was that we are statistically, it is not in doubt, we are statistically the worst goal line defence uh, in the comp. That we can... we. Um, Teams require the fewest number of tackles inside our 20 to score tries on us. It just, there, there was so much about yesterday that was just so predictable. Um, I, don't, I don't care enough to put to check this stat, but I have no doubt at all. We would be, we would, this year we would have considered the most tries on fifth tackle that didn't involve kicks in the history of the game. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. We've, we've, we can see two every week that are kick, tack, kick on five, that have just run the ball on five and score. Mm. Um, I want to go through a couple of the stats here. I mean, Chris Randall, uh, the Chad, you know, did his um, did his uh, uh, job in defence again. Came up with sixty tackles again. Sort of, we had to make tackles. I'm so sorry for him, man. Like he's so cooked, and yeah. he just you know he's turning up every week, just tackling his backside off. And we all know that you know this is not his job. It's Braley, Braley's eighty minute hooker, and that mm. poor guy is just cooked, man. He's so cooked. But this. It's so funny what you say about that, Bretto, because like it's easy for us to sit here and sort of, you know, be critical. And it, like this is the type of thing that they could quite randle his career. And I say that because yeah, he's absolutely. doing a job he wasn't intended to do. Yeah. And he's now after off the back of three months being expected to perform at a level that he wasn't expected to. This is the kind of stuff that can physically and mentally erode a player's ability. Yeah. And it's something that they sometimes don't come back from. Yeah, you look at the 2016 Knights, mate. 20, we we d destroyed some careers. Mm. You know, 2016-2017 destroyed Brock Lamb's career. He was never the, he was never the same player. Like a lot of young forwards, like J Joe Tapping, smartest guy in the history of the world. He got out right at the right time. Well, you know, we, we like to give um, Tariq Sims uh, a bit of a, a blast whenever we can. Um, same thing there. He, you know, Orban, he's got Orban's another one. Yeah, Sims boys. Um, 
Uh, sorry, yeah, at least um, Tariq is sort of um, he went on to play Origin. You know what I mean? And it's sort of uh, he, you know there's so, the, the players that left us when they did. You look at Nick Meany. I mean, yeah, he had that you know terrible run with the Bulldogs, but at least he got out from us in time where you know he could still perform in a manner like, where like Melbourne Mateo, saw like something. Pete Matiati ended up in England. You can't tell me that Pete Matiati shouldn't have still been playing NRL after us. You know, oh, like, you know, he's, he's, he was better than a stack of NRL centers. Yeah, but because he had that stink on him. Sioni, Sioni, we we Sioni should be an all time great of the game, to the our club. He's tearing it apart in England, yeah. But he's got that stink on him. Sioni, you know, actually... I know concussions come into it, but still, concussions concussions become an issue for him because he was playing a position he should have been playing when he was yeah. far too young to be playing it. Sioni was actually exactly where my mind went. Like we sort of, um, there was just so much, um, so much potential there to sort of look at and look forward to, and uh, just look at the way his he career should, went. He should still be playing in the centres for the Knights. He should still be our right centre. Brabant on the left, um, Sioni on the right. Yeah. Um, some positives to come out of the game yesterday, and we'll sort of, um, I'll stick to this. We scored a try, which. Um, I mean, we, we you know we scored a couple against the Broncos, but um, the Broncos are hardly of the caliber of the Storm and your Panthers. They're really the two teams that you want to test yourselves against. And um, we did something against the Panthers we couldn't do against the Storm, which was score a try. And um, I got a uh, I got a message from um, our friend Pete. I think it was like, oh, maybe Peter Volandis has uh, changed the rule to last last try wins. Um, the, the changes are happening that quickly. So, um, yeah, at least we sort of got on the board. I think it was good to see Eddie um, finding the try line. And I think the other thing, the only other thing that jumped out at me from yesterday's game, Dominic Young is a star. I mean, you and I knew it. We we said it at the beginning of the season, and we'd, we'd already seen it so often in the way he's played. That was the um, British we nailed, wasn't it? We, 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 we nailed Dom. That was probably the one we did now. Yeah, he's a star. He's almost at the point now where he's first picked before Kalen. Like, and I'm not saying he's a better player than Kalen, but what he's contributing to our team at the moment, he's he's more important to that back line in so many ways than Kalen. I'm so is. I'm so worried we're going to lose him. Yes, that and we, that was we, the we're going to develop him, and then yeah. he's, and then he's, we're going to lose him. So that was the only other thought that came to my mind yesterday was watching this young 19 year old who's just come on in leaps and bounds and. Mate, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You think about the criticism that kid copped last year from a lot of fans who didn't appreciate the situation that he was in. Yeah. You you think about the fan backlash he got from the beginning combined with a team that's not performing now. Yeah, I reckon huge concerns that he'll be like, why would I stay here? Yep, absolutely. Like, well, he's got no loyalty in Newcastle. He's not a local. There's no loyalty here. Like, why wouldn't he go to the Roosters? Um, so... Just a just a dreadful afternoon. I'm going to touch on it again. Twenty one thousand showed up, mate. Huge, huge props to all the fans who keep going to these games. Um, member appreciation round. Thanks, guys. Yeah, member appreciation round. The, the members obviously once again showing far more appreciation for the team than the other way around, mate. Is that part of part of the problem? We sort of do. We've discussed it before. Um, we have sort of touched on, you know, is Knights fans loyalty part of the problem? You know, this team knows that they don't have to perform and will still show up. Is that actually part of the problem? Yep, hundred percent. It's it's not part of the problem like right now. It's been part of the problem for twenty years. Mm. That. The highlight of these guys' lives is going out and playing in front of 20,000 every week. Yeah. And it's also a problem that, like, Trent Robertson says every time the Richards come here and build us, they love coming here and playing in a great atmosphere. Yeah. And the other team lift. They come, they play on a Sunday afternoon 
in Newcastle, huge crowd, great atmosphere. They don't get, you know, a lot of those Sydney teams don't don't get that atmosphere ever at home. You know, they, they live for the, to come and play the Knights because it's a really good, a really big occasion. Well, you, you think know? of players. You think of the players like Cleary and Luai who had um, flat games on Wednesday. It's a great. It was a great opportunity for them. You know, another packed house, another opportunity to perform against a big crowd. And there were so many Panthers fans there. Like, did you see the footage of um, all yeah. the Panthers fans lining up after the I game? I mean, let's let's be honest. That bandwagon's huge because I remember six, seven years ago they were getting five thousand home games. <laughs> no, I, I give no credit to Panthers fans. Zero. No, I do give. And to be fair, that wasn't actually me um trying to give credit to fans it was more trying to point out just how good this team is this panthers team because i gotta be honest with you i'd love to get on the bandwagon the way that they're playing sometimes they are just playing (laughs) (laughs) hey mate um look just to take a break from the doom and gloom for those listening we're actually recording uh during the bulldogs eels game are you following that at all brother Nah, mate i know i knew i saw the 16 nil that's the last i saw 22 to nil with half an hour to go but that, but that's that's the problem, mate. We, we would never put a performance like that in. Everyone's going to blame Parramatta and say Parramatta dropped the ball, blah, blah, blah. Well, Parramatta come up here and put 40 on us. We couldn't score a try. Yeah. You know, that's that's my issue. The dogs or at least put a performance in every now and then. Mm. It's also, for me, emblematic of what like – confirmation of what you and I have said is the biggest criticism of the Eels is that – why are you beating Penrith and the Storm away when you're going to lose to the team that's coming 16th? Because, Brad, it's, it's, a, because, Brad, because Brad Arthur's a bottom three coach. <laughs> it's, it's simple. It's easy to get players up when they're playing good teams. The sign of a good coach is getting players up when they're playing bad teams. Bredo, you, you touched on it a little bit before in terms of Adzi brought it up in the press conference. I want to talk a little bit about the coach, but I do want to talk about the club. We're shit. We, we are a bad rugby league team. We are, and I say that under the comfort that I highly doubt anybody from the Knights head office is paying us much attention. So I'm, I don't I don't think I'm going to be causing too much uproar by saying that, but we are not a good rugby league club. We are there is just this sense of mediocrity that has just infected every aspect of the club. And I don't for the life of me know where it came from. This this was a team that was aiming for top four. After two rounds, we were talking them up to top four and we all look utterly embarrassed off the back of that. We are a bad rugby league club and it's just unavoid. It's an unavoidable truth. You know what? You know what the worst part of all this is? It's the fact that it's the same things every week, every year. It's not. It's not different aspects. You know, it's the, our home form has been abysmal for fifteen years. Yeah. Like it's the same things every every year. Like even years when we made the finals, it's because our away form has been pretty good. Like last year we had that huge run when we we're in the bubble. Yep. You know, like. It's this. Oh, I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I, you know, and you say, well, it's been happy to play for the Knights first grade. There's lots of guys that have come from out of Newcastle, you know, that couldn't give two rats about the fact they play for the Knights. That you know, they're just playing first grade. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know, mate. I, I honestly don't know, and I think that people smarter than us didn't know because Wayne Bennett didn't know. Mm. Wayne Bennett said when he left the Knights, they're at least five years away from being competitive. Well, Wayne's been ten, nearly ten years now, and we're still not competitive. Like mm. even Wayne Bennett underestimated how bad we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Let's um so it, it is something that Adam O'Brien raised in his press conference. Uh you and I have been very proud uh proponents of Adam O'Brien. I'm going to give him a clip over the uh, over the ears for this one. I know whether he's right or wrong about the two decades of mediocrity and the and the sort of um bad habits that have crept in the, those sorts of statements are a, a right time and the right place thing to mention. And fresh off the back of another thumping at home that you've presided over is the wrong time to be talking about that because it just breeds of uh, excuse. And and again, I'm not even saying that he was using it as an excuse. I'm not even saying that he was trying to deflect. I think from my meetings, from my interactions with Adam O'Brien, he's a well-spoken, intelligent man. He's, he's very thoughtful about the game. Um, he does sort of look at things from a broad perspective. But there was no, there was, just, there was just no point in that press conference yesterday where that was going to be the right time to say it. Because the easy criticism is that, mate, you've been here for nearly three years now. It's part of your job to be overcoming those issues, regardless of what's happened before you. So uh, I thought that was a swing and a miss from Adzi there, raising it in the press conference. It, uh, it did him no favours. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, and it just screamed of a guy that was just completely flabbergasted and had no idea. Like, he was just – you could see it. Like, he know, he's normally pretty comfortable in those press conferences, you know. He's normally pretty relaxed. But he wasn't. He was under the pump. And he should be because mm. the, the team's been performing abysmal and it's his responsibility. Like, he should be under the pump. But he just screamed, so, he screamed yesterday have a guy was just clutching. And it, 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 it hearkened back to something he said in a press conference after yet another loss last year, which you and I at the time were really concerned about, where he said there's a lot of guys in this club that don't have that winner's mentality that they need to either find or we need to get them out of the club. And you and I bristled when he said that last year because we knew that that was um, very much similar to the type of things that Anthony Seabold was saying in the uh, after his several losses for the Broncos. And that's when it sort of started to ring like excuses. So you sort of... I, hit- I, can I just say something on the way in regards to both those? I reckon that's a Craig Bellamy thing because both those guys are Bellamy... Yes. Um, yep. Proteges. And yep. I reckon that's the Bellamy thing of you either do it our way and you're yep. here to win every day. And if it's lining up for lunch, you're first in the line because you're a winner, or you can piss off. And I, I completely agree with that. But again, it's um, perception is reality. Yeah. And it just they, they start to sound like platitudes from coaches. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you've raised Craig Bellamy because they sound like platitudes from coaches who are cosplaying as Bellamy. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. Everyone says you know how Bellamy hasn't produced a lot of great coaches underneath him, a lot like Bill Belichick hasn't. And mm. to me, and to me, that's the issue. They all cosplay to be Wayne, uh, to, be, to be Craig Bellamy. Mm. All Craig, Craig Bellamy, all Craig Bellamy's wannabes. Craig Bellamy learned under Wayne Bennett, and he didn't come out and say, "Well, I'm going to do it the Wayne Bennett way." He learned what worked under Bennett and said, "Well, I'm going to use that my way." Yeah, Craig, that, I remember Craig Bellamy when he first got the Melbourne job. I don't think he even touched the game yet. I think it was still pre-season, and you know he was all the stuff was about you know you come on a banner Brisbane was your dream job you know do, do you want the Brisbane job one day and he's like I don't want to be Wayne Bennett because I learned I learned under the greatest men to ever learn under coaching you know I learned but the number one thing I learned about from Wayne was you've got to do it your way yeah 
you know, he, he said that. You've got to do it. You've got to do it your way. He said, I've taken lots of things from Wayne. I've taken lots of things from other things. You know, he took things from Tim Sheens when he was playing at Canberra, you know. Like, he took a lot of stuff from great coaches. But he just said, I've got to do it my way. And I think that's been the most disappointing aspect of this year. And I'm going to say this year because, once again, it's so easy to be caught in the middle of – it's like being part of a Knights fan – and just stick with me here, Bretto, because I'm, I'm sort of, I'm going to go up on a bit of a, one of my tangents. Being a Knights fan, I sort of hark, like liken to being in a parade. You know, when you're, have you ever been to a street parade or, you know, and you're sort of, you're standing there and you're waiting for the parade to come your way. And when it's far away, it's really quiet. And then when it finally gets to you, it's loud and it's noisy and it's distracting and you're in the middle of it and you don't really know what's going on. But the parade eventually, no matter how long it is, it eventually passes you by and it's quiet again. Well, being a Knights fan is like being in the middle of a parade that never moves on. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, I agree. But, but the thing is, is that sometimes we do need to remember that we are in the middle of the parade and this too will pass eventually. So it's actually easy to forget that we've we've been a finals team the last two years. So I do say this yeah, year in terms we lost of, last year. We were real competitive against Parramatta. You know, like, correct. You know, it's not like we got blown up the, the South the year before, fair enough. But last year we were really competitive against a team that should have beaten Penrith the week after. Correct. We, we we lost off uh, off a contentious decision off a off a drop kick that was correct. I'm not. That's not why we lost, but we sort of you know the, the, there was just certain things that we could have done. But anyway, we're not going to relive yeah. all of that. But so what disappoints me most about what O'Brien's done this year is that he had the nine years under Bellamy. He had the one year at the Roosters. He's had two years as head coach. That's 11 years of coaching experience across a wide range. He's come into this to do it his way, and yet. This is coming up to the close to being the worst we've performed in the last decade. So how does that happen? What has happened? Well, one thing I will give him credit for, and he's he's a hundred percent right in the press conference yesterday when he said that when you're building, it, it's never an incline. There's plateaus and there's dips, and you yeah. look at Penrith. Penrith are the perfect example. Yep, they had some horrendous years amongst their climb. Well, it's like you pointed Paramount, out. Parramatta were literally rotating between top four and wooden spoon. Hmm. It's it's actually like we pointed out about the uh, all-conquering Panthers at the moment. They were 10th in 2019. Correct. No correct. one saw that 2020 run coming outside of uh, Panthers fans. In Man, the Panthers outside of 2020, drops. I was taking bets on Penrith not making the eight because I'm like, you were overrating them. <laughs> Luckily, I got off the bandwagon real quick and started backing. Statue, <laughs> but, statue guy was actually making bets with Gus Gould as to whether that's as right. to whether that's that's ex- I remember yeah. that bet. Yeah, absolutely. And he got he got fucking owned. Uh, Newcastle are the premiers. Um, look, I I do take all of that on board. I think what's been disappointing though about what's happened this year is that, and maybe now is the right time for Adam O'Brien to point that out, is that no, it's it's not always a genuine, uh, a general upward trajectory. But the thing is, is that the last five years we actually have improved every year. So if, if you go back to 2016, the, the, the rock bottom season, we gradually got better. Every single year after that. Now, there were two 11s in a row and a two 7th in a row. But even last year's 7th was better than the previous year's 7th. You know, the, the, the 2019 11th was better than the 2018 11th. We were progressively getting better. And it's almost like we hit something in the off-season. We, we started the season strong. 
and we've fallen off a cliff. And you know I, think? It, I, I think I'm not going to say it's a blessing in disguise because this is painful what we're going through right now. Mm. I think it's opened Adam O'Brien's eyes to the actual mental weakness of the team. I think a lot of guys saw Brayley out when our season's done. I take that on board, but how can you still have that mentality after the third round? After we were so competitive. Because that's the- when it gets tough. Because the, the expectation hits. Yeah. Because the expectation hits, mate. People start saying, you're good. You can do really well. If you can hold hold um hold um your head level here with Bradley, it's back. You're you know, you're a chance of top four here. When you're when you're mentally unprepared for that, go to water. The Penrith game, like after that first Penrith game, like that should have been the catalyst to a really, really successful run. In the end, it did the opposite because well, you and were I, actually weak. In fact, you and I were, in fact, quite bullish about the Sharks game after the Pan- Panthers game because we were like, the team has turned a corner. We, we, that, yep. that performance against Penrith it shows that the mental resolve we've been concerned about, yep. that is the team that's turned the corner. And we thought, yeah, we'll go down to Shark, the Shark Park, we'll play a weaker opposition, we'll maintain that level, we'll show what we're made of. And we got blown off the. We just got absolutely blown off the park. Yeah, you know, you know what happens, but teams see you start well and go, well, the, the Knights are a good side. We'll, we'll we'll lift here. So that's Cronulla. Cronulla went down there in the mindset of at home. We're going to bash these guys. We're going to really see if they've got what we what people think they've got. We didn't, yeah. and that and that's at the rotting. You know, then we started losing the teams that we shouldn't be losing to the Dragons and all those sort of games we lost because once once the bubble burst, it was burst. Mm. There's this, the mental midgets in this club never cease to amaze me. The moment adversity hits them, they just turn to water. Like it's, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking kids, because let's face it, Matt Croker is probably the toughest guy in the entire club. I'm talking, you know, rep- representative standard players. Dane yep. Gagai has fallen off a cliff since that first month of the season, an absolute cliff. And I know he's had a few niggling knocks, but mate. Lift, lift. You can't be missing ten tackles playing centre in the NRL because if that was a kid, he'd never, he'd never miss new first grade again. Mm. Like it's Jake Clifford had his personal issues. So I'm going to let Jake. You know, we don't know what's going on in Jake's life, so I'll, I'll leave that alone. But Adam Clune, yeah, he's had his, he's had injuries, but he's an experienced player. He came into the team because he's an experienced player, and he's been abysmal for two months now. Yeah, you know, I just. I, I can't I can't get my head around how mentally weak this team is, and it's the entire club. The reserve grade team are the same, mate. The reserve grade team get beat every week at home. They they produce the they, they beat Premier a couple of weeks ago, you know. Mm. They produce their performance here and there. And I know that reserve grade team changes every week, but we got people. We got built on by Blacktown a couple of months ago in a home game, and Blacktown are, are, are the worst team in the reserve grade competition. Like, I it's I don't know, mate. I honestly don't know. It's there's something rotten, and I don't know. If, I, honestly, I don't know if it can be fixed because when Wayne Bennett can't fix it, I don't know. Um, the Bulldogs are up twenty-eight to nil with seven to, so that game's over. The Eels, and, then, and that just and that just proves me, mate. We we would never put that performance in ever. No. No, so, look, certainly, I mean, certainly not the way that they're playing at the moment. I mean, unfortunately, in rugby league, a lot could happen over the next 12 uh, or 12 rounds or, or 13 weeks in terms of um, the rest of the season. So anything is always possible. As much as um, I enjoy, if we have a run at the end of the season and win some games, as much as I'm going to enjoy that, to me, that's going to be worse. Talk me through go, that. Well, you have sat there on your ass for 
for three months and waited mm. for Bradley to come back. Yes, and I, I, I want to put you, I want to put you on blast then a little bit, or at least I want to put your your, your theory to, because I want to go back to your your position after the Warriors game though. At this stage, any win is a positive. Yes, correct. Um, but you know, I obviously do take on board in terms of that there is that sense of any games that we do win from here on in, you're like, well, where the fuck has that been for the last two months? Why, why, why could you only grab wins over the Warriors and Bulldogs when you can perform like this for the rest of the, of the season? So, so I, when I, I say the, the Warriors win is... I said, oh, but I, I didn't say the Warriors win was something we should be proud of. I said that's something we should enjoy. And I'll enjoy <laughs> it at the end of the season. Because I knew this was coming, mate. I knew that there weren't going to be many, many wins for us in the year. I was just like, well, let's enjoy it. We, we don't ever win. Let's enjoy a win. That was my attitude there. Yeah. It and really, oh my god! It, I'm getting so angry at how many guys make a living out of just not putting any effort in. I just can't believe how many times we've been out of a game in ten minutes yeah. at home. It's tough in a team. A team that's got more rep players than sides are going to be pushing for the top four. I, I, I just, I just don't know anymore. I sort of, um, I, the, the, the weirdest part for me yesterday was, um, cause you and I were obviously quite boisterous on the socials over the first three weeks and, um, and I stand no, by no, it, never, never. but, um, a lot of people were sort of reminding us of that and they're like, oh, you know, you've been quiet now. I'm like, well, thanks for bringing that up. Take me back to those happier times. I want to go back to the first three weeks of the season when I didn't realize just how bad we are. So... Yeah. But, that, but that's what frustrates me because I don't think we're bad. I don't think there's a bad. I think there's a really good football team in this team. There's a genuinely good football team in there, but they don't have the mental capacity to be able to produce it. That's such a shame. It's just such a shame to watch. I mean, you look at our side. Obviously, we need a halfback. There's no, no thing that Milford, Milford half. I think is more than you know, more than adequate. You mm. can't tell me that we can't produce 17 players that should be playing in the top six in the NRL. Yeah. There's a good football team there. Let's just go through it. KP, great player. Mm. I know Heinle would be saying to you, but you've got Dom and you've got Eddie. Mm. One's one's a former Origin player. Dom's most exciting when you're in the competition, like for a young kid. Yep. We've got Bravin's in the Jesus moment. Bravin's played most of the year. Been abysmal, shouldn't be. Gags, been abysmal for two months. Played plays Origin. Cliff is Cliff got the clean, Milf Milf whatever. But then you look at the forward pack. Okay, we've got Barney. Guy's been around forever. He's won two Danny Medeiros medals. Mm. What's he produced this year worth getting excited about? Nought. Frizz, been okay, but, you know. Can I right. can I stop you there? Frizz, yeah. for me, actually has been the most disappointing player across the board for me this year. To me, to me, his problem is he's been, he got injured and we didn't get the rest because we couldn't rest him with Barney out. We had no second rowers. And he's yeah, true. worse. Yeah, no, look, that that actually is true. And I sort of take um, – so without being critical of him then, yeah, but his it's actually been his form this year and it's just been so, so disappointing because you know the, way the, the, player, unreal, the, the way the unreal is played at the moment, the second row, the edge forwards, are the key to any team. Yes. And that's we've had none. We've had none all year. You know, Fitzy's – Fitzy's been injured a fair bit of the year and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been in great form when he played. As we said about Frizz, you know, Barney's been – Suspended for six weeks. We've just had we've just had nothing. We're not producing nothing. But I, I, I want to take you back just while I'm thinking about it. And I, I do apologise. I've stopped you again in the middle of your of our of our squad slash first seventeen review. I do want to take you back. Yesterday, obviously, did bring back to me the memories of the last time we played uh, Penrith for for better or worse. 
Am I making too much of this? At the time, you and I both said we had very deep and real concerns that that Barney send-off had the potential to start our season unravelling. Were we right or was that a, is that just a pure coincidence? Is it those other things you referred to in terms of now not being able to meet expectations or not being able to stand with the continue with the physicality? It, it is did Barney end our season then or was that just that just happened and Barney then set the chain of events that once once Barney was out our back, and then we started getting back row injury after back row injury. Yeah. You know, because like, remember, Fitzy got injured. I think Fitzy got injured in week two. So we're already down one of our starters in the back row before Barney got sent off the week after. And then obviously Frizz got injured and Jira's been oh, – sorry, Jira's been injured a lot of the thing. Barney was just the catalyst that set a chain of events in place that we never were able to recover from. And if Barney if Barney had been injured and that all happened, rugby league. But when it's done because Barney was a, a thug and had a brain explosion, no excuse. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, you know, and like, yeah, we all know my thoughts on Barney. I'm not a big Barney fan, but I'm happy to see a guy that's willing to be so selfish walk out the door. I think. Um, and by the way, good good luck in New Zealand, mate. I'm sure that'll be a really thoroughly enjoyable experience for you over there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we we will tie this uh, thought off. Is he still tied to the Warriors now that Nathan Brown's gone? Well, he, well uh, the, the, he came out. He came out and said that he is. There's no way he's going to do three years in New Zealand. Zero. He might go there next year. He, he may, by a miracle, he might say that to you. There's zero chance he's there for three years. What makes you say that, though? Because part of the reason he signed with the Warriors was that three-year security. No, that he, that apparently... was, that's all crap. He wanted to go and play for Nathan Brown. <laughs> Nathan Brown gives him a handy in the sheds, mate. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's just him and Brown are best mates. We all, all people have people they like. Nathan Brown and um, Mitch Barnett are good mates. Not, no, nothing, nothing against either of them. Like that's that's life. Yeah. If you if you like a guy, you want to go play for him. Congratulations. But there's zero at, zero chance that he stays for three years. You look at Wayne Bennett with Darius Boyd or Adam Cuthbertson. You know he they came to they came to yep. Newcastle because they like well, I want to play. Wayne, for, yeah, everyone talks about the Darius stuff with Wayne. Adam Cuthbertson, mate, Wayne dragged him around the country. Hmm. Um. I do apologise, though, because I do want to get back to this squad and I do want to sort of go through at least the first. So, you know, we've looked at Barney. Let, let's go through the rest of these forwards. We've looked at Tyson. I mean, you know, I, I, I've probably been a bit hard on Tyson Frizzell, if only because I momentarily forgot that Daniel Saifidi exists. What what happened to him? Like what? And what's the excuse for Dan in terms of is it injuries playing their part as well? Has he lost his motivation? Was making well, origin? We've all the heard, we've all heard the, you know, we know him and Barney best mates. Yeah. We've all heard the the rumours that you know the Safidi boys weren't happy the way Barney was treated. No, I don't know. But if that, that's true, get him out of the club. That was you're, that, so, you're so mentally weak that you mate leave leaving the team in a professional sport where he's one of the highest paid team highest paid players in the club and one of the highest paid players position in the competition. And you and your performance goes from origins like top tier origin player to I would be playing him in uh, NRL at all at the moment the, because your mates unhappy. Get the hell out of the club. To, and just to highlight just how far Daniel Saifidi has fallen, I, I mentioned in a couple of chat groups, I'll get Dan Saifidi, and he obviously performed for us last year for Origin, and it, that, it's laughable. That is a that is a laughable suggestion, the way that he's playing, because he's playing so bad now that it's not even worth 
the risk it's not even worth the reward of what he might produce against the risk of just how badly he's playing at the moment Freddie came out and said if dance feed performs this week we will pick him in the origin team and he was even worse that week yeah i don't know mate, i don't know mate i don't know his confidence is shot but how how can he be confident you just put the ball on your arm and run run straight that's all he does and he's bloody one of the best in the world at doing it it's actually it's actually really funny what you say about the the mindset of players in terms of you know how player movement affects them. I um, and and stick with me again. This is a bit of a tangent as well. I had an opportunity to read an article about the Golden State Warriors on ESPN this week, and they were talking about the sort of up and downs that they'd had from being perennial finals contenders to bottoming out for draft picks to, you know, back in the finals again uh, this season. And one of the things they actually did touch on was the trade of Andre Iguodala, who'd been a major component of their finals run. And when it came time to what they wanted to do as a club and as a team moving forward to still be competitive, he was the one that had to be moved on. And when they spoke to uh, Iguodala, Iguodala about it, he was very realistic and uh, upfront with them. He said, well, that's the nature of sport. I understand that this is what you have to do. There's nothing personal in this. You do what you've got, got to do. And you sort of so you compare that mindset to the potential in rugby league where it's like, um, well, something bad is happening to a teammate of mine. And like, even just this, and we're not saying that that's happening. Obviously that's just the, that's just the rumor of this, but even just the potential that that's an issue at the moment is it's just, it's disappointing in terms of the supposed professionalism of rugby league. I mean, look at the storm, mate. The storm are moving on all their best, all their their old premiership players. And they all wilted. Yeah. Are they all chucking in the dummy because, you know, well, Gafusi and the Bromish brothers and all that are going to the Dolphins? No. Well, you look at the, I mean, you look at the salary cap scandal. And I, and I know everybody says it was easy for them to sort of survive the salary cap scandal because they had so many uh, good procedures in place for success. But mentally, you still have to compete with that. You still have to come back from the fact that for however long after we're going to be branded cheats every time we play, you still have to have the mental capacity to be able to come out every day and go, I'm not going to let that affect me. And it's that is just, something like if there was a salary cap scandal in the Knights team at the moment, the, the club would fold. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because the players would, they would just. Is that possible? Go, can we get, can we make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's just it's it's a very weird time for the Knights at the moment. Now, look, I, I want to move on to to some other news that's sort of going on with the. Can Knights. I just say on the roster thing, but shout yeah, out to David Clemmer. Sorry, we we, we, were, we were all happy for Clem to be moved on with his big salary last year because the Safidi boys had, had gone past him. Yeah. My word, I want him to sign another four years. Well, I, I, I've got it on fairly good authority that he's working on an extension. Um, I, I hope so, mate. He's, a, as he's we speak. the soul of that club at the moment. I think, from what I understand, I think David Clemmer is very um, not realistic. I think he's pragmatic about where his career is at at the moment. I think he's sort of, I think he's always been a family first man. And I think his family's settled here. He's playing good footy. I think if the Knights look after him, yeah, I think yeah. he'll um, – That that's my understanding anyway. So. And to me, he's the sort of guy that he'd, he'd happily take on the role of being the old the old mentor in the forward back. He just feels like a guy that, you know, because he, he played first grade so young and he had yeah. guys like James Graham that to help him through. I think he's the sort of guy that happily step into that role and be a James Graham and play the 33, 34 off the bench mm. just, just to, you know, look after the young fellas and nurture them 
through their early couple of years in first grade. It's so funny. I always laugh when people are like, oh, we need a Paul Harrigan type back back in the club. Well, we've got him. David Clemmer week to week is a better player than Paul Harrigan. Oh, Paul 100%. Harrigan's best was better than Clemmer's best because Paul Harrigan had some of the most unbelievable games you've ever seen in your life. But week to week, David Clemmer was a better footballer than Paul Harrigan was. Yeah. And injury's a big part of that. Like Clem, uh, Chief was always put together with sticky tape, and Clemmer's had a fairly reasonable run with injuries. Mm. But week to week, you're like, you know, me and you, we're on enough to have seen every game Chief played, and Clemmer's better week to week. There's no doubt. Um. It has been an interesting time for the Knights, though, in terms of off the field. Couple of uh, off season, uh, sorry, couple of signings for uh, twenty twenty three for the men's team. We'll, we'll get this out of the way so we can get on to the women's team. Um, big Jack Hetherington is coming to Newcastle, and uh, Big Adam Elliott is uh, finishing up with the Raiders, and he too uh, will be will be joining us next year. So. Talk me through the thinking of that, uh, Bretto, because Adam Elliott, I can kind of get on board a little bit with. He's playing good form at the moment. Uh, Jack Hetherington is not a signing that uh, inspires much uh, excitement or confidence in me at the moment. I actually think the the Jack Hetherington signing is good at the opposite end of the spectrum the way the Adam Elliott signing is good. Adam Elliott's a good signing because you know what you'll get. You yes. get a workhorse in the middle. He's been doing it for Canberra all year. The, the great is exactly what we need. He's exactly what we need to, at the back of the at the back of the pack, just keeping the middle tight. Jack Hetherington is the throw at the stumps. It's the untapped potential. It's the fact that he's got leg speed that we don't have in our forward pack. Now he's the anti David Clement Jack Hetherington. They both look the same. They're both mental cases. But all the things <laughs> that Clement's good at dragging guys forward, you know, just chugging forward. Jack Hetherington doesn't do that. Jack Hetherington just runs a million miles an hour for fifteen minutes and tries to kill people. <laughs> to me, it's a, I don't know the price. If it's under three hundred, if it's under three hundred fifty thousand, I think it's worth throwing at the stumps because you may get you may get an all time great prop out of him if you can ever get his head right. But now he's going to turn a shit because that's what we do. I'm no expert. I just love the game, but more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. If if Jack was playing at the Storm, he would, they would turn him into an Origin player and probably a Test player. Because he's got all the physical tools. He's great leg speed, big unit. You know, he, as I said, you know, he's, he's a real impactful guy. And under their system, with it, with the, the discipline that Bellamy put into him, mm. he'd be great. He'd be one of the best best props in the comp. I think that's what the Knights are aiming for. They're just like, well, well let's just have a go. You know, we haven't got a guy that does what he does. Nowhere in our system do we have a Jack Hetheringham type. You know, just just an out-and-out wrecking ball on his day. So I think mm. that's just throw the stumps. He's the offset to Croaks. Croaks is your workhorse. Elliot's your workhorse. You know, Clem, Clem's is now your workhorse. Hetherington can be a Dennis Lafitte type where you can just, you know, wreck a, wreck a game in 20 minutes, but you've mm. got to get his head right. Can you do it? I don't know. My concern with the Jack Hetherington signing is that at this, for me, where the Knights are at, we can't be a club that takes too many punts on players because we need, what am I trying to say? We We need to be looking at, I guess what I'm trying to say is we need to be looking at character before ability. And Jack Hetherington, to me, is just a player. And this isn't actually a judgment on his character. 
He's a player that's on the field that's, that attracts referee att- attention. I agree, I agree with that. I agree 100% with that. My thing is, all reports are that off the field, he's a real hard worker. Yeah, which is great. And that's that's I've got no issue with that. So, but on the field, I just think the the way the Newcastle Knights play has the capacity. Like you, you can't just go with his poor discipline's going to cost us tries because we can't defend him. You can't recruit like that. No, I, see, that, that's, not, how, that's how you end up being a, a team that finishes like the Tigers, where you finish between tenth and fourteenth every year. No, no, no. See, I'm not even worried about the concession of tries. I'm worried about the this this is a team that's exhibited the ability to have a snowball effect when things go against them. So I'm not worried about the concession of tries. I'm worried about the brain explosions that result in sin bins or or send offs that mean that we're playing cooked against the sharks. And that's the sort of thing where I'm coming from. That, I go, I agree, I agree. I understand what you're saying. I, I don't disagree with you. But you just can't recruit like that. You've, you've got to you've, if you want to if you want to have be a good team. You've got to take risks. You've got to you got you got to say to these guys. Yeah. We we're, we're a team that wants to win the competition. As I said, if you're just worried about you know just keeping everything mid level, you'll be the Tigers. Tigers don't win wooden spoons. Everyone loves to bag the Tigers out. They, they don't make the finals. They also don't win wooden spoons because they're because you know their club's happy to not be abysmal and finish tenth tenth fourteenth every year. Can I ask you this question? Do you think the Knights or the Tigers recruit better before, like before the last week, up until last week? Do the Knights or the Tigers recruit better? Um, <laughs> no, I would say the Knights only specifically because we we aim higher. But I think yeah. overall, for filling in what they need, is the Tigers. Mm. Like, I, the, Tigers would, the Tigers would never have a crack at a guy like KP because they would just assume they wouldn't get him. And to because be fair, the, the Tigers, the Tigers have got Papa Lee for six hundred grand. Yeah, we're we're, we're paying Daniel Safidi eight hundred grand. I don't know I'd prefer to have. And look, I, I want to be clear up front. I'm actually not death riding the Jack Hetherington. I love the Knights. I want us to win. I want it to work out. I, there are very few players. I can't think of too many players that have come to the Knights where I'm like, uh, I, I hope that they are awful to suit my agenda. I, I don't think I'm happy to be proven wrong there. So I'm certainly not going to be sitting back waiting. I can think for of Jack. one for myself, but I won't mention him on the thing, but I can think of one. <laughs> so I won't. Um, I certainly won't death ride Jack, and I hope he proudly wears the red and blue. But look, those are certainly my concerns. Look, based and he's on a local, he's a Valentine boy, so you know that's. You know, <laughs> that's that'll keep a certain section of the fan base happy. Um, as much as I hate, oh, the Valentine Devils, my lord, do I hate them? Adam Adam Elliot, to me, that's a curious signing because I, I was trying to think in my head. I was like, how long has he been at the Raiders? Why is he coming to Newcastle? After one, you know, what's going to be one season at the. He was getting paid in bugger all at Canberra. He, he remember the dogs had sacked the dogs had pretty much sacked him, yeah. so he had no he had he had to just take a deal whatever deal he could get and Canberra would give him pretty much the minimum wage. So what are the Knights going to be offering him next year in terms of where he plays? Where, where do you see him fitting into this? He's, he's, he, 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 him and Croaks will be our lock forward options next year, in my opinion. Yeah right. And then he'll be and he'll be the backup hooker. But he'll be the guy that we do. Braley's injured, or we, Braley needs to be spelled for some reason. If you mm. know we've got a big lead, or you know Braley's got a knock, head knock, whatever, he can play. He can play hooker. He can play lock, edge, hooker. That's what we need. That guy. You know I'm Barney lo- can't do hooker, but he can do the other two. We're losing Barney. I'm Elliot loving your in, Elliot comes in and plays that role. Like, and I'd prefer honestly, I'd prefer Adam, Adam Elliott on an edge than um, Fitzy. He doesn't offer as much an attack, but he won't mm. um, defend as badly as Fitzy does it on occasion. 
Can I tell you something? I'm loving your enthusiasm and positivity for next year if we have a big lead. That's the that's the kind of positive forward but thinking that's, that's, that's this club, but mate. I have no doubt at some stage next next year we'll look like a good football team. <laughs> and then we'll blow it. Uh, like every I think year, that... pretty much. Even even in twenty eighteen we had that what six game I sorry, twenty nine we had the six game winning streak. Every year we look like a good football team at times. Every yeah. year. Yeah. Um, this um, I think I, look. I think the Adam Elliott signing is a is a is is a good signing for me at the moment. It's a better signing than the Jack Hetherington one. I think what you point out in terms of the lock, you know, between him and Croaks, I think that finally, fingers crossed, you know, finally, hopefully, allows Kurt Mann to go to fourteen where he really should be, um, and it, it gives us that coverage. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give that. I'll give Adzi a bit of a, a bit of a concession there. I think Adzi had the idea of Kurt Mann being 13 because the way the game was played last year. He, he, oh, I agree. He, he'd started that ball rolling to the point where he couldn't stop at the late change in the rules. The rules changed so late in that off-season that he couldn't, they couldn't say, oh, Kurt, you're no longer are you suited to play a lock forward. And lock look, forward's and, now back to how a lock forward used to be. Yeah, and to be fair, like Kurt, I, I, he's been like the rest of the team. He's just trailed off as the, as the season's gone on. But he certainly did start the season out well enough, so... Um, this isn't, yeah, this isn't. You can, tell, you can tell the difference in the way the, the Lockford is playing just by the fact that Gerbo is now, you know, I, I, don't, I still don't rate him, but he's back to, you know, being the old Gerbo. How so? Because I don't. Gerbo was one of the worst middle forwards in the competition. I still don't rate him much in terms of what he's doing this year. He's, 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 he's an interesting pivot in, the, in attack, but he doesn't get any metres and his tackles aren't dominant. No, I agree with you, but he tidies the middle up. Yeah. You you watch you watch Manly. Whenever Manly are in in defence, there's the guy that's always closing gaps in the middle of the ruck is Jervo. Yeah. Because at, at this year's speed, he can do that. Last year's speed, he, that he, it was so open in the middle that he couldn't cover those gaps. He actually people he's actually getting the raps he gets this year. And I think he's he's deserved them this year more than in previous years when he's got them because he's yeah. actually closing the gaps this year and the the game speed suiting him more. Um, I think I think Adam Elliott is a a poor man's Jervo. Well, hopefully we can turn him into um, – look, I guess the only thing, and we'll finish up on this, mate, is that whenever I'm looking at a player that we sign, in the back of my head, and maybe, you know, this is just um, unrealistic of me, but in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, is that a player I can see lining up in a, in a, in a 17 that's going to be winning a grand final at the end of the year? And I guess I asked that question about Jack Hetherington and Adam Elliott. Are they players that you can see – being part of a premiership-winning team or squad? Um, Adam Elliott, I can. I can say Adam Elliott being your bench workhorse in a premiership team, easy. Really? Yeah. Wow, that is so interesting to me. So you got to remember that Adam O'Brien doesn't like to play 17 players. Correct. So, so if Adam Elliott's your guy that sits on the end of the bench, he has your 17th man, and they can but come on and play 75, 80 minutes if you, if you get an early injury, hmm. that's that's a good role because our, our last guy doesn't play. Hmm. So Adam Elliott's the guy that just sits there and does the and that's what Croaks does now. I'd like Adam Elliott to do what Croaks does now. So Croaks becomes a starting lock, and Adam Elliott becomes the guy on the bench that can play hooker, edge, lock, but won't play. But he's not the, he's not in the standard game plan. Yeah. And the way that HIA rules are now, every club needs that guy in their seventeen. Yeah. 
Correct. Mate, we'll um, we'll put a bit of a we'll tie a bit of a knot in terms of the um, the Knights men's signing. Um, there's a lot to sort of go on in terms of where this um, men's squad's going to be in 2023. Can I ask you something? Is the signing of Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton the biggest signings in the history of the Newcastle Knights, men's or women? Yes. By, Huge. By the length of Newcastle Road. It's it, it it's because we're looking for the elite the elite player at very least the elite forward, but yeah. I think the elite player in the women's game at the moment, and the most exciting fullback spine player in the NRLW at the moment. Like it's it's unheard of. It's absolutely unheard of. Okay, so cast your mind back over the last ten years of the men's game, or maybe the last twenty years. There, there are two players that come to mind for me, and, and I, I'm going to thank good good friend of the pod at Harvey G for this. But who are two men's players that you liken these signings to in terms of the Knights poaching Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton? As in, the, the, with the positions they play at the, no, at the it, peak of their powers? Both, both. The, the male equivalents, at the peak of their powers in those positions over the last 20 years. To me, it would be 100% if... Peak Broncos, you took Shane Webke and Darren Lockyer. Yeah. So I, I was actually going to say Taumalolo and Lockyer. But, yeah, Darren, um, I, I, mean, I didn't just say Taumalolo. I was just going to have two guys on the same team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. But in terms of ability, yeah, it's Tam, Millie Ball's Taumalolo. It's <laughs> – so much has happened with the Knights over the past two. You sort of tend to sort of forget a little bit. What was your reaction when you heard this? You know, I just, I sort of, I just, I couldn't believe it. I just, I was stunned as I was sort of listening. I, was, I wasn't stunned at Millie because I knew that she'd want to come back to the New South Wales eventually. Yeah. But Tamika Upton just blew me away. Like, yeah. What, like, I never, that was, that had never been even, in, I didn't even know they were friends, to be honest with you. Turns mm. out that, you know, they're good friends and they're, they're happy to come together. But I, that Tamika Upton one, because I remember, it was only it was probably the year before last, and I said, "Oh no, this Tamika Upton, she's so good that this Dominic Snitchell has now got in Women's Origin is going to be gone because she's just going to be an unbeatable player." Mm. And the idea that she doesn't play for a Queensland club just blows me away. And the idea that she doesn't play for a Queensland club, and she came to us like, I just I just didn't see it coming. So Millie Boyle, Tamika Upton, Hannah Southwell as well, who but... let's not sleep on her is. The absolute dream signing to go with those other girls. Yeah. Because she does all the dirty stuff. Yeah. Um, Romy Teitzel as well is going to come back for another – she signed who, on. Who, for... interesting, played ed- edge forward in the grand final for the Gold Stars. Really? She played She played back row, edge forward. Yeah, right. I don't think she's going to play that in the NRLW, but to me that says she's 100% going to be playing centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – um, Caitlin Johnson's obviously re-signed. We, we've got a few players that we've sort of kept. A lot of the Maori or, Maori or slash um, uh, Kiwi players, they've sort of, it looks like they've, you know, the, 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 a lot of them are looking elsewhere. We've, we've kept um, we've kept Autumn Rain, Autumn Rain Steve. Yeah, we've, we've kept, kept, yep. We've kept her, and, and the great thing is that she can now play on the wing, which is her best position. Yep. She's a really good finisher and a really good defensive winger. So now we can play her on the wing, which is, which is a huge positive. Mate. This night's the nights are all in on NRL. No, don't don't sleep on the biggest signing of all of all, mate. The Newcastle girl coming home, Caitlin Moran. Oh yeah. So um, three, yeah, you three, go. three years ago, she was the best halfback in the world, yeah. and she just had a horrendous run with injuries. Um, yeah, no, 
let's let's not sleep on it. Caitlin, Caitlin Moran turns it turns it from being a top four team to where I think we're a real big shot to win the premiership. So I, I want to give a shout out to um, uh, uh, Matt Clark, who's a he just follows the NRLW team so closely. Like just he lives and and breathes their sort of signings. And um, this was that was a signing that he took really personally. Like he just got a very personal sense of satisfaction uh, in terms of uh, Caitlin coming home. And, um, you know, I'm sort of, I think I'm still so burned by, we need to remember that the NRLW Knights are yet to win a game. So we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. And if there's one thing we learned from the Ben Darwin um, experience is that you can't build, you, you can't manufacture success. So yeah, the other side of the other side of that is Ben Darwin's theory of, you know, the, playing together. None mm-hmm. of these teams play together. They all change half the team every year. Yeah, no, and and look, this is this is very true. So, particularly with the way the NRLW competition is run at the moment, the Knights appear to be doing everything that you act that you can do in this situation to build a successful roster. You know, we know it's actually it's actually worked out really well for us the way the rules change. So the rules change that you can sign two marquees, which you can't pay them whatever you want, but you can essentially pay them, you know, a crap load more than you pay everybody else. Mm. So we had the advantage of we, we all I, I just assume Hannah Subtle would be one of the well, we one of those marquees who would come home and be the marquee. That's what turned out that we've got two genuine superstar marquees, and we've got a whole heap of really good local girls that are all ready to come home because they now see us as a premiership chance. Mm. So all those girls that were travelling, you know, Meeks, you know, I forget her, her new married name, but you know she travelled from Scone to Sydney every a couple of times a week to play for the Roosters. Because she, you know, she committed to the Roosters. She's now travelling to, um, she's now travelling to Newcastle. Oh, Clydesdale, Adam Clydesdale's wife. She, she married Adam Clydesdale. Yep, 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 and, yep, um, yep. You know, and so, so all those girls that, were, that are, are elite, they're all still a ruse, but they're not the cream of the crop. They're the, you know, they're the next tier. Mm. They're your Kalen Ponga types. You know, they're the, you know, your superstars, but they're the, the next elite players. They're all local girls, so we can actually fill our roster out with Jill Roos. But not have to pay them huge amounts of money because they're all still living in Newcastle. Yeah, like Subtle travelled to Sydney every every day for training. You know, like from Newcastle, all these girls still live locally because they work locally. Yeah. So we're actually been really lucky that the way that rule came in place that we we could play the two girls that aren't locals huge money to come and play for us, and then fill the roster out with Jill Roos and um, Origin players because they're local and they're just happy to play for the Knights. Like it's just just a dream come true. Um, the I guess the off-field uh, signing for the NRLW team as well is um, uh, Ron Griffiths takes over from uh, Casey Bromelow, uh, and uh, that's another Indigenous uh, coach, I understand, yeah, uh, in the yeah. in the NRLW. And, and from all reports, he's a big reason why a lot of the girl, local girls are coming home. They all love him, so... So all the ingredients are there for the girls to replicate that type of uh, disappointment that we know all too well from the expectations of following the men's team. <laughs> I, can't wait, I can't wait for three ACLs in week one and the season blowing up for those girls. <laughs> oh, but, hey, we want the authentic night's experience in the NRLW. If, if we don't have home losses and season-ending injuries, then they're just not taking it seriously. And But let's not forget how good Caitlin Johnson was looking going into that NRLW season and she got injured in week one. Mate, she I, mean, I, I think if she played every week, we'd probably win a game or two. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and you and I have joked about this before, but um, the Knights actually do have the potential here to impact on the Gillaroos in terms of a World Cup because we've got two of their, we've got two of the better players now who would expect to be playing for that World Cup. Uh, in that World Cup, oh gee, they'd want to stay fit. I, I would say um, if I was, um, yeah, it's a huge risk from Australian Rugby League to put it, put Gillaroos in a Knights organisation <laughs> in a World Cup in a World Cup year. <laughs> That's a, that a huge risk. Get your money on the on the on the Silver Ferns now to win the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but no, look, all jokes aside, because it's another seven week composite. Is it five five rounds, semi final, and a grand final? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, any Knights fans listening, get on board. Renew your NRLW memberships uh, when and if you can. And, um, yeah, let's uh, let's go all in as the as the club has in terms of the NRLW team. Mate, I, I look at the way the club is running across the men's and the women's team. Um, Phil Gardner certainly was the face. Of the two of the big signings in the NRLW, which I appreciate because I think that gives it. it, it I, th- I saw that as an act of giving it the the NRLW team the respect. That, it's on the same level as the NRL team. Correct. Thank you. Yeah, and I, and I, so, so I appreciate that from that es- aspect. But in terms of what the club is doing behind the scenes to be a good operating football team. Adam O'Brien is the face of the heat. Should he be the face of the heat in terms of the way the organisation is being run? No. So where should the heat be going in terms of making this club a successful club? Not just a team that wins, but a successful club. See, to me, my my big issue with the Knights as an organisation is that Phil Garner sticks his face in on everything when it's a good announcement, it's a signing, it's after a Knights win, whatever. Yep. He never ever, ever fronts the media after we, after abysmal performances. When was the last time you seen Phil Gardner talk about, you know, the, the way the team's performing on the field? He, he hasn't. He just hides. I'm, so, I'm really, I'm really, really, really fed fed up with the fact that the Knights just shove Adam O'Brien out there to take all the heat. Even Bedsy. Bedsy's never never seen. And that's not Bedsy's fault. But Bedsy is clearly being, you know, silenced. But Phil Gardner only ever comes out for for a good announcement. So I'll give Phil I'll, – I'll play devil's advocate here and, and go into defence of Phil. Phil Gardner did do a big article in the Sydney Morning Herald. I, I can't remember when. But he, he gave a fairly extensive interview in terms of, you know, he wanted to back the back Adam O'Brien, and that's borderline the board giving the coaches backing, which is never a good sign. He did come out and give it an extensive interview in terms of where he thinks the club's going and what the club is doing and, and trying to – but is that – is that but, that, but that's it. But that's easy, mate. That's a yeah. that's a that's a sensitive environment where you get all the questions sent to you before you get asked them. You don't have to ask any pressure. You have to think about your answers. Yeah. That's not fronting the media. That's not you know. That's not Matt Gidley when he used back in the day when he used to do the live crosses with and when they just asking random questions. I guess where I'm sort of heading with these questions as well is that for all of everything that's sort of happening on the field with the men's team off the field with the women's team, for me, the biggest story that people are sleeping on with the Newcastle Knights over the last month is the departure of Garth Brennan from his um, pathways role after only six months in the job on the basis of a disagreement that he's had 
with front office, which I understand was run, was a, a meeting he had with Phil Gardner. He's left off the back of that. That, to me, is a bigger concern and it is not getting the airtime that it deserves because that is a very big indication in terms of the way the club wants to run and I have that should have more scrutiny being put over it than it really did. So let's go back to when Garth Brennan was hired. Phil Gardner yep. came out and said, this is a key sign for the club. This is the man that built Penrith. This is the man that knows how to run pathways in an NRL club. He's, you know, he's a local man. He's got all the local ties. This is the key signing to building this club how we want. Six months later, Garth Brennan quits because Phil Gardner won't let Garth Brennan do it his way. And Garth Brennan openly said that. He said, my my reason to quit was uh, there's a few family issues, uh, yeah, the death of the family and stuff. The reason why I quit, well, I come out of a meeting with Phil Gardner and Phil Gardner would not let me do it my way. Well, I'm sorry, but Phil Gardner, what the hell have you done in the game of rugby league to have any say on how the club develops their juniors? So, Zero. And so there's, there's, there are a few things that you can sort of take for that. And obviously we're only speculating. So I guess to a certain extent, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But if Phil Gardner is using that power in that manner in terms of this is the way I think you should be doing your job when it comes to pathways, is it too far, is it too much of a reach or is it too big a bridge to cross to say, to speculate that that's happening in areas of the club other than just pathways. No, it's, it's, it's clearly how the whole club's run. Yeah. See, and the, you've got to remember now that now that's out, the field, the, the Garth Brennan stuff's out, we're going to struggle to attract people into that role that have got the experience. Because mm. in, in that sort of, that's the sort of role where you have to have autonomy. And let's, and let's be clear about something. Like, let, let's put the cards on the table here as well. The Knights, when it comes to pathways in the Hunter region are just abysmal. And historically, at least over the last 20 years, we have been terrible when it comes to talent identification. Pain yeah. I will, that was Payne Haas never in our system. Yeah, I, I still I to this day. I speak to people used to say when he was a Woodbury warrior, used to run over entire teams for fun. Hmm. How was he I never in our system? I still to this day remember the story about Willie Mason when his when, when his family like why aren't you playing for the Knights? Why? And he was just like they never wanted me. They didn't ask me. I never heard Sean from Mitchell. Him. Sean Mitchell tried for the Knights. The Knights said you're not good enough. You're too lazy. Okay, so so let's not relive those horrors too much. But so that's Boyd, the, I just get another one. Boyd Cordner. How is Boyd Cordner from Tari or from Old Bar? Not a Knight. Like so, it's just. So it's a long list. It is a litany of recruiting errors where whether it's been a lack of a talent identification or um, the the talent in the areas just wanted nothing to do with us, there has been this disconnect that was vital to funneling that, finally funneling that talent back into Newcastle. And Garth Brennan was brought in with that task in mind because we knew he was the one that was going to be able to do it. He had the he had the local knowledge and he had the runs on the board with uh, And he had the Penrith. local trust. So a big issue for the Knights has been that a lot of local coaches and, and staff have gone have said to the gun youngsters, don't go to the Knights, that's where careers go to die. Garth Brennan actually had the trust of those guys that if they, if they put their kids in the Knights system, Garth Brennan would give them every opportunity to, to succeed. Yeah. And that worked so, out there in six months. So this is why... 
this is why this is a story that should not be slept on and you cannot underestimate the impact because we're not talking about a role where it's like, oh, it means we might not win next week or we might have a rubbish season. This was a role and an opportunity. It was such a generational opportunity to put the part the team on a good talent um, identification pathway for decades to come and we've lost it. We, we've that that opportunity has walked out the door, and it's questionable now how that gets replaced, because it's it's uh, make no mistake, it's um it's it's not happening any el- anywhere else in this club at the moment. There's no one else locally who's going out of their way to find the talent that's um that's uh, that's that's doing the rounds in the in the hunter. That's what Garth Brennan was brought in to do. That's what he was going to do. That's what he was doing. And someone within our organisation has unilaterally told him, uh, you are not to, you can't do it that way. And he's left. This is Newcastle. We all know that everything in Newcastle is, is run by agendas and local politics. Mm. So the key to get the key to the thing, as I just said, was Garth Brennan had the trust of those in key positions in junior rugby league, in the Hunter, and the sort of greater catchment area of the Knights, that Garth would produce players into the NRL squad. We will not get anyone with the local with the local trust that will take that job on. The Roosters will come and raid the Hunter again like they did 10 years ago. So all those great youngsters that we – and there are. There are a lot of really good youngsters we've got in our system at the 15s and that. Mm. I guarantee you the eyeballs will get picked out of that in the next six months. And Because the, the bigger concern for me as well is that the reason Garth Brennan's role was so important in terms of that pathways is that Clint Zammett can't do this. He's – He's living up in Townsville. He's good. Yeah, he his, role, his role is to recruit North Queensland because it's such a big area. Correct. Uh, we, so, we were smart enough to go, oh, let's get a North Queensland guy. They've got so many players they can't keep them all. Let's let's get a guy up there and he can do that and we'll worry about Newcastle. It was the smartest thing the club ever did. We've still so, blown it. So we don't have feet on the ground in our own backyard. And this is a story that's not getting – why is this not getting more air? It's the Herald, the Herald are toothless now. Because yeah. the city media don't care. They want the night to be shit. You know the roosters. The Phil, um, buddy, um, Uncle Nick doesn't want the people to be alert. The fact that the the hunters getting raided by the roosters. <laughs> he like it's just that's the thing, mate. The Her- if Brett Keeble was still at the Herald, this would be a story. Yeah, I know he writes the NRL.com now, but he sort of writes more match review stuff. He doesn't really, you know, investigative journalist stuff. But again, like it's it's not going to be a story on NRL.com that anyone's going to be racing out to read. No, oh no, the knights the knights can't properly identify juniors. Oh well. Yeah, like it's just, it's so bad that we've actually recruited from out of our area really well. You know, a lot of our key players, a lot of our great players are, are brought into the club. Mm. We should be in a good position now. We've, we've brought our superstar in. We've got we've got David Clemmer, who's the, the cornerstone of any pack, you know. We've mm. brought in Jaden Braley, you know. We've brought in Clifford. We, we've brought in these guys to fill the gaps. Now, we've brought Dom from the UK, We've actually filled the roster out really well with the outsiders. We can't fill it up with the locals that we need. That's the problem. Yeah. Like all the worst players in our team pretty much are all locals. So I, I don't. I don't know. I just look. Watch one, this one space. Credit, I, mean, I'm so, I was so worried we'd lose Croaks, and we and we've get them. You know, and I think that's more Croaks' loyalty than anything because he's a bloody good kid. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. If 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 Croaks and uh, Bradman Best were. Um, uh, 
interested in following more coins, they would not still be at the club. Bradman got untold amounts of money thrown at him by Manly in that when he was 16. Yeah. And he, he had some loyalty to the Knights, and, he, you know, he, he liked the idea of travelling up to Newcastle from from where we rather travel down to Sydney. And, you know, and the Knights were really good to him, great. But mm. we, we might have destroyed his career. Yeah. He might, he might like, people, like, the Roosters may go to Knights, Hunter players now and go, look, do you want your career to go like Bradman Best? Do you want to go from the most promising player of your generation to where a lot of people don't think you're a first grader anymore? Yeah. And and this was always a concern with the Knights in terms of the post-Andrew Johns era is that we really were following down that path of being the Western suburbs of the modern game where we were just, we were able to develop the talent that we couldn't hold on to. Like that, and, and, and again, I go back to, look, you and I have been wrong about a lot of... We thought this was going to be a top four team this year. So, you know, we don't always get things right. <laughs> but <laughs> the concern that we do have in terms of the crucial role that Garth Brennan was brought in to do with our job is that he wasn't even given a season to do it. He wasn't no. even given one year. Six months. In, in, a role, in a role that takes four or five years minimum to actually have an effect. It, it's, like he, it's like he failed probation or something. So we, look at the amount of scone players that play for other clubs. Yeah. Scone was a scone was a tap for the Knights. All our best teams were full of scone players. Because scone is a rugby league tap. It mm. just produces player after player after player. Produces thoroughbreds. It produces exactly hundred percent. All our premiership teams were full of scone thoroughbreds. Mm. You know? And yet we and they all they play for Sydney teams now because they don't trust the Knights. So, look, you know, watch this space. Again, like I said, we, we might be overestimating the, the value of it. They may have some – the Knights may have someone better in mind. We're a speculating fans podcast. We, we say these things not to say we want to be right. We say these things because, like, as fans, these are the questions that we want to, we would like answered. These are actually issues that we'd like to hear more I want, about. I want us to look like idiots. I want us to – people replay yeah. this and cut it up and put it on Twitter in five years. Look at these dickheads. The Knights are just <laughs> – and the locals, and these guys are just knocking Garth Brennan, who who disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> but the, the history says that we're going to be right. Yeah. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. Um, I want to move on to some questions, mate. Very quickly, though, before I do jump on to um, get some of the the questions in before we finish off. Uh, All time classic, Origin One, good game. Fast, yeah, great, great game of footy. Skillful. Um, why, why can't? Sorry, why can the Blues win the rest of the series, and why didn't they win game one? They didn't win game one because the two the two best players in the field played for Queensland: Harry Grant, Cameron Munster. Yeah, we can turn that around if Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, those guys. Steps fill the void. Um, Teddy, t- Teddy played okay, but he didn't play. You know, he wasn't Teddy. That we know Teddy can be, mm. we've still got the we've still got the cattle to win the series, but I don't think we will. But we've, we've got the cattle there to win it. I just think Queensland in the two key positions were better than us, and, and that was the game. Uh, I, I don't, I didn't see enough from this team to uh, have faith that this is a team that will that can win game two. I think they'll they'll win game two, but I don't think they can win that and then win yeah. an Origin decider in Brisbane. I, you know. I, I think I think the Trell Turbo thing last year covered over the cracks of Nathan Cleary and Jerome. Lewis. Very much so. I think you know, and that and that got found out without without the ability just to put it on their chest and they'll create tries. We created very little. Here's a question for you, though. If Jack White and Latrell Mitchell and Katoni Staggs are all fit, who gets picked as the centre pairing? 
Oh, you can't pick a Tony Staggs on the way he played. I know he went off injured, but even before that, he was, he was terrible. I don't think he should have been picked in the first place. But is it fair to drop him after just one game and he didn't do anything I wrong? Do, I, I don't care it's fair or not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. It's about winning origin games. We're not, we're not, we're not, here, to, we're not here to develop players. I mean, it's not a development series. It's freaking origin. You get three chances a year to, to win. Uh, I think a fit Latrell has to come back into the side. I, I think the more amazing scenario out of that is that uh, Jack Whiten turned himself into someone who couldn't be dropped for game two. I thought See, the problem was... is the problem is Jack Whiten would be outstanding if we could play him at 14, but because of other circumstances, we can't. Mm. Yeah. Um, would you no, make it? Just say quickly, did, did you ever think there was a situation where at this stage in 2022, New South Wales would have a lot of all their centres injured and neither Lomax or Best would even be a thousand to one to ever get picked. No, absolutely. Those guys not. were certain to play Origin two years ago. Correct. And yeah. then they're both a thousand to one, even with all the injuries we've got. Well, you know, they're um, they're they're, and I know Bradman's injured at the moment, but there are calls for those. Uh, Barry too has been questioning as to whether how Barry, um, Bradman's holding on to his um, position, or at least question marks over his starting position in uh, first grade. So, um, yeah, they've definitely fallen yeah, and a long. And Lomax has even been worse. Yeah, he's on the tree. Would be in first grade. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think the Blues will win game two, but I, I don't think it matters anyway. I just um, you know, we the Blues haven't won a decider in Brisbane since Andrew Johns. The fact that we needed Andrew Johns to win that says a lot about how hard it is. And um, I, I did see an interest. There's a there's a really interesting t- uh, thread on Twitter in terms of going over near every play that Nathan Cleary was uh, involved in and how many wasted opportunities he did have. I'm not sure I buy too much into the idea that he's um, a fraud. I still think Nathan Cleary is the best halfback in the game, but it certainly did raise some questions in terms of whether or not lifting for that big, those big games is still a concern in his game. You can't, you, you, origin makes your legacy. You can't be an all time great unless you dominate origin. Correct. That's Nathan, that's Nathan Cleary's challenge. Does he want to be considered along the likes of John Sterling, Thurston, Cronk? Does he want to be on, if he wants to be on that level, he needs to dominate Origin at some stage. Well, the thing is, he still hasn't lifted a he still hasn't lifted an Origin shield. He's been yeah. injured for the yeah. for yeah. the two games where we've done it. So. Yeah. All right, let's um, let's smash out some questions and let everybody get on with it. Who are the Knights playing next weekend? Next, oh, we're playing the Raiders. The Raiders oh, in Canberra. God. That is going to be that is that's going to be a cripple fight. That we've one. We've got a good record against Canberra lately. We, 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 we do have all the time. Yeah, we do have. We have an a awful oh, KP. KP's best two games every year against Canberra. Will he play though? Oh yeah, he's, got, he's, he's fine. He's got to go through the HIA protocol. Yeah, no, he, he's hundred percent. He's playing. Like he, he, I don't. I think that he, he under the old HIA rules, he would have come back on. Yeah, he true. It's considered a category one because of the stumble. Yeah. Um, we don't. Speaking of HIAs, and I only mention it because we we want to sound like we're a good podcast, rugby league podcast. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah, yo, did they? I mean, everyone sort of now seems to be of the opinion that he never should have stayed on. In everyone Origin should be fired. Everyone that said he could stay on from the doctor to the trainer to whoever else involved, they all should get fired. Well, I think, and the thing about the HIA ruling is that. That is one area of concern where it just never should come into fact with all oh, their referee origins different. You compare yeah, right. because he, he was far worse than KP. Well, KP was no chance of ever coming back on because it was a club game. No, no, forget that. He was way worse than Victor Radley in round one. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Victor Adler, absolutely. He didn't come back on, and who was the, to, who was the nice player that got, that got hit in the dick and had to go off for HIA? <laughs> Kurt Man got hit in the little head. That's right. Um, but but that's my point is that you look at the way those round robin those uh, NRL games are HIA. You only have to look like you've breathed in in a manner where you might have concussion. I mean, the reality is that the HIA should be more scrutinised in body origin when there's correct five million people around the country watching it. Correct. So. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, nothing more seems to have come of it, so I guess everyone's happy with it. They'll move on. Isaiah Yo didn't play against us because he was um, he didn't couldn't back up from his game. But uh, and apparently yeah. he's in some doubt for next week. You know that's yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's get to some questions, mate. Uh, Mfro one. He's a, actually uh, Matt Frost is a long time listener of ours. He's been uh, on board with us from day one. So uh, you poor poor individual. Thanks for the effort. Yeah, actually, can I can I say to all of the people who do uh, send us questions, while we do appreciate it, get some help. Like, seriously. Yeah, you, you poor individuals. Get outside, meet meet new people, get them yeah. right there. Go and touch some grass because you hear the way we talk. You don't want to be like this. You don't want to be this. Uh, uh, Spend time with your families. Oh, absolutely. But they're lovely people. We are not lovely people. <laughs> Uh, but on that on that note, Mfro one Knight's letting me down again after several great signings in the NRLW. I can't find Phoebe Desmond anywhere in our squad of 21. Surely we don't wait until August to sign her as one of our final three squad members. Great question, and it's a great point. I can't believe Phoebe Desmond wasn't one of the first uh, sign- players re-signed for season 2022. My thing with Phoebe is, and I don't know this for sure, I think she's, you know, because she's an older know what a player. She has a lot of other commitments and and, and sort of the Knights. So the Knights just know that if, if, if they've got a spot for her, they'll have her. Okay. But, she's, but, but then she's not she's not a professional rugby league player as such. Yeah. Yep. No, fair enough. So, but Phoebe, if you're listening, and I know you're an avid listener of the pod, we love you and uh, we hope oh, mate, she's, she's my favorite. She's my favorite night. Night, probably period. Not just 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, Matt Clark 81 says, this is a two-part question. A, why do we do this? And B, no, really, why the fuck do we do this? Look, Brad, it's a great question. Uh, I don't and know. It's, 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 like, it's like, why is the sky blue? There's no answer. <laughs> it just is blue. We just we just do this. That's how it is. When, when Newcastle people, we truck them MJ Stadium, we talk about the nights, we ruin our lives, our families hate us for it, but we do we are in an abusive, um, codependent relationship. 21,000 people showed up on Sunday, and that crowd figure was never in doubt. And, knowing, that, and knowing we would get bashed? Yes. And that's that's walking into a bikey pub and, and saying to the biggest bloke there, I'm going to bash you. Yes. But you know you're going to get your head kicked in. So, um, Matt, please take our advice. Spend time with Kidder. Spend time with the family. Go and touch some grass, mate, because I honestly don't know why we do this. I'll tell you what, one thing I will say about Matt, and Matt's mentioned in our uh, Robbie M's chat group, he's got so much more enjoyment out of local rugby league in the last couple of years, and I couldn't agree more. Get out there and, and watch, the, watch the real NRL, watch the, mm. you know, the local league tag in the women's. It's so much more enjoyable than watching the Knights these days. Actually, we did want to do a bit of a review of the real NRL, so you and I might do some investigating on that. Too. I was Actually, thinking maybe the, the week off we'll, we'll do a ladder thing and we'll sort of get, get a bit of news around. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 that yeah, week, yeah. The weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we definitely should do that. Um, Rudy Andrews, uh, he's got so many questions. Mm, I don't like the first one, Rudy. Can Ponga tackle? Can O'Brien coach? Are we any closer to being competitive than five years ago? Have the playing group given up? Why do I care? I'm going to rapid fire answer these questions uh, one by one. Yes, yes, no, 
possibly because you love the Knights, mate. Like, it's just as simple as that. You, you care, and it goes back to can, what, Can Knights fans stop doing this crap that KP can't defend? Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. He's yeah. He, he's not. He's not a super defensive fullback. He's not as good as Teddy. But Teddy was mm. abysmal at Ponga's age. Mm. Fullbacks get better because they get stronger as they get older. And tackling one on one at the back is the hardest thing in rugby league to do. So KP, as always, is a funny one when it comes to the levels of criticism that go his way. So he seems to be remembered because he got knocked out trying to tackle kick out. But he, he'll never be remembered as the player that was the last line of defence that held up Jason Talmalolo in our Cowboys Correct. game. Correct. Or the amount of times that he used to get suspended because he'd shoulder charge guys over the sideline to save a try. Mm. Like that, so, that's the thing. Like I'm telling you now, the hardest thing in rugby league to do is defend at fullback. Mm. I mean, we, we watched um, Ryan Madison meme Dylan. He should have memed Dylan Edwards out of existence um, in that um, Penrith, uh, that Parramatta win a few weeks ago. And yet, stop, you know. Let's just stop comparing KP to guys like Teddy. They're bigger and stronger because they've been doing it a lot longer because Teddy used to get run over all the time. Yeah. So, Rudy, I think in answer to your question, definitely in answer to your first question, the answer is yes. Um, I do still think O'Brien can coach. Whether or not he can coach the Knights, I, I don't. I don't know. Can I, can I just say on Adam O'Brien though? And again, it is like the parade. We've been in the finals the last two years. We've had winning records the last two years going into this season. So, I think it's it feels unfair to be saying that he should be sacked off the basis of thirteen poor games, considering we've had. Two good seasons. We need to focus on the fact that we've had two good seasons. If we continue to get worse this year, then let's have a look at O'Brien's role in the club. But I don't think it's, I personally don't think it's at the point where he should be sacked yet. I think next year is the year where he should have the blowtorch on him. But if things do continue to deteriorate this year, then certainly look at that. But I don't think he's anywhere at the stage now, at right now, where he should be looking to get sacked. The you know, you know, not one Panthers. way to see if a player's – they always say, oh, the player's playing for the coach. They're not putting in effort. Oh, they don't care about the coach. No, the way to know whether the players care about the coach is are they leaking to the media? And no one is leaking to the media about Adam O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah. We've had we've had bad losses to the Storm, uh, the Eels, and the Panthers. Those are three teams that are going to damage a lot of other teams this year. We are not the only ones that are going to be damaged by that. I'm not saying all of our losses are justifiable. Like the, you know, we, all of our losses have been bad, but I still think Adam O'Brien can coach. Time will tell, though, no whether he can coach No coach should ever be flat on the back of one year. No yes. coach ever. I don't care how about that. Trent Barrett you know, got a couple of years, and he should have got a couple of years. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we just sort of um, – we've answered those questions. Okay. This is Charlie on Instagram. Is it too early to sack them all and start again? Uh, what is the current? I only sacked twenty-seven of the thirty. <laughs> what is the current contract status of the uh, of the uh, Newcastle Jets squad? Can we recruit them and? No, they're worse. Jets are worse than the Knights. The Jets are way worse than the Knights. I tell you what, that's something that we might do on the um, big week buy. Is um, we uh, let's have a let's have a look at our contract status as well. We'll jump on uh, zero. Simi just resigned the other day for another two years, which was great. Oh, that's a great signing. Yeah, I was, very, I was worried he was gone, but now he's another two years. Very. And I think that now with the club's found his position, he's he's a lock in utility. I think yeah. that's the right his right role now. Yeah. 
Um, we'll jump over onto Twitter, mate. We've got a we've got an inquiry here from uh, Bretto at Bretto Shanky. He wants to know can he skip this week's episode? No, you can't, mate. I'm not doing this alone, and I'm certainly if mate you and I are, we're riding this bad boy all we're the open way. Office, but who wants to take this over? We're open offers. <laughs> Shout out to the at Maitland Mumbler. I think he'd be a great podcaster. He's got a very soothing tone. Um, oh. We'll have to see if we can rope him in and get yeah, him. He would, he would be so relaxing. I'm, I could say, listen to him going to bed. Just yeah. Just yeah. Oh, those, those dulcet tones. Oh, he yeah, soothes the soul. So, you, you, um, could, you could hear him doing um, love love song de- dedications at 10 p.m. on KOFM, couldn't you? One hundred percent, and he and he's, he's he'd have that classic. I mean, for anybody who follows that mate Lamumba, he does some music posts every now, or at least he used to. He's got great taste in music as well. So, um, no, yeah, I could absolutely see him doing yeah love song dedications at KFM on a Friday night. Oh my god, um, Vittori at A Coulter eighty four. I put Scooby Doo on for the. I'm reading the no no no. I am reading the right one. What's going on here? He said, I'd put Scooby-Doo on for the kids about the 50th minute. Do you have a better show to recommend? Got under fives. I can enjoy all Bluey, seven. Bluey all day. Yeah. Can I say A Coulter was on the on the cans, something fierce during that game <laughs> yesterday as well, and you can tell, mate. Um, Grant at Carabco says, uh, wants to ask my question. We understand. Now, can I just um, give everybody else some insight into uh, Grant at Carabco? We we did start a little bit of a Robbie M's judges chat. We just wanted to get some, and actually, I didn't do the last round's player of the match, so we'll get a double announcement out during the week. Grant is very vociferous when it comes to what he perceives as crisis merchants. He won't tolerate them. He doesn't listen to them. He cannot stand them. So I just want to give a shout out to you as well, uh, uh, Grant. You are a very good friend of the pod. I love your enthusiasm for the Knights, mate. I love your ability to back them um, to the death, no matter what. You are a uh, testament to the type of passion and but thoughtful passion as well that I think a lot of Knights fans could aspire to. So, um, the only yeah. fans on that loves us like Grant loves the Knights and Wes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, his question, with that build up, this question better be good. We understand it's about fixing the underlying problem and there have been setbacks, but because of how unsuccessful we have been recently, that there isn't that goodwill. So... How can the Knights fix the underlying problem quickly and not alienate fans without cheating the rules? It's a great question because it's not a quick fix. It's not. You know, you, you, know, you, know how, you know how the Knights get the fans back on board? They, they improve their engagement to fans. Yes. As, as, bad, as bad as we all thought the NRL and the, the Knights were, they actually had the role where Matt Gidley in that spot was really, really engaging. There's mm. lots of there's lots of fan events, there's lots of member events. There was a weekly um, member question thing for him or for Brownie. They really engaged the fans well, and it just made you feel part of it at the moment. Like because the fans just feel alienated. You know, we're, we're, we're turning up every every second week to watch our team get obliterated, and then not hearing nothing but platitudes for another two weeks. Like it's you just, know. You know, Brett, I'm really glad that you wrote it because it's the alienation of the fan base that actually is the hardest part. And I want to, I want to raise the Jacob Saifidi. Oh, I uh, need one more of those. No, no. But here's the thing. This is why I want to raise it because you and I both agree. We, we, we're done hearing players that are just saying we want to do it for the fans and then getting forty put on them. Like it, it starts to grade after a while, but. There have been a lot of people who've jumped to Jacob's defense and go, well, what else is he going to say? And 
therein lies the problem. That's actually what's happened now is that as a fan base, we could cop that during the spoon years. We could cop that during the rebuild years. But you can only hear anybody who's you know goes through a traumatic event. And I do say now we're talking about sports, so it's traumatic you know, on a very low scale. But you can't. Eventually, you get tired of it. And I do think that this year we have reached the stage where the fans have just become alienated. There's that disconnect from the club where those statements that we bought before. Where 12 months ago, it's like, look, you know, we'll know we'll lose this weekend, but gee, listen to how much Jacob wants to do it for the for the team, for the fans. You know, we know that they care. That disconnect and that alien, and we're now so alienated, we won't, it, we just don't want to hear it anymore. So whether or not Jacob should be saying that or not, it's now a case of, well, this is the reaction you now need to deal with when he does say it. And there's get, a problem there. Get the there. players out of their bubble. The Knights, are, the, everything with the players say in every interview they do and every podcast they go on, every TV interview they do is all so tightly controlled by West and the Knights. Get them mm. out of the bubble. Get them out engaging in the community. Get them onto, you know, and I'm not talking about our podcast. I'm talking about actual podcasts with, you know, thousands of listeners that are around real wide. Get them doing stuff. Mm. You know, like I'm so sick of this contrived bull crap where they just say the same thing every week. I, I don't want to hear Jacob Safidi say that. I want to hear Jacob Safidi, you know, talk about, you know, what's going on in his personal life. You know, I don't mean per, you know, personal issues, but, you know, what's he like, you know, what does he do on Sunday, you know, after they get a flog, you know, does it hurt him for a week, you know? How's he? How's this year changed? Why does he think that the team is struggling? All those things are what I want to hear from players. And I hear from lots of other players. It's funny, Bredo. You know, when I think about it, in a lot of ways – you kind of feel like the Knights players and the Knights fans, we need to have a date night again. Like we need to rekindle the romance in a lot of ways. Like you sort of, you, you, I sort of feel like at the moment as a fan, I'm in that place where I actually don't feel appreciated, which is ironic considering yesterday was members appreciation. I don't feel close to this playing group. It's the first time yeah. I don't feel close to it. And so you kind of feel like the Knights would be wise to do something to Let's do let, let's let's do something to rekindle the magic and you know get fan surveys out or find out what we want or you know take a look. You're talking about taking a risk on signings. Take a risk on some player engagement. Do yeah. something to yeah. get us back on board again, so that we so that I feel like you want to be invested in this as much as I am. Absolutely. Like to me, the, the problem with the club is it's gone all completely down the corporate path. You know, it's so just the the corporates get access to everything and and the. Mm. You know, and, and the sort of top tier elite members get access that no one else gets access to. There's, that's not the bread and butter of our club. The bread and butter of our club are the the bottom team members, the people that can turn up two or three times a year because they work all their weekends to feed their kids. They're, that's the bread and butter of these clubs. That's, the yeah. that's what makes makes the nice. The nice. If I hear one more thing about oh, the working class towns team, like bullshit. This club don't care about the working class people. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, people have uh, incorrectly, if you ask me, described me as the most passionate fan in the Knights, but I'm loud. To me, the most passionate Knights fans are the are the nanas who would sit at the nor northern and southern end with their knitting, you know, with their um, knitted Knights blankets and they'd show up every week regardless of what was going on in their lives. Those are the most passionate ones, but those are the ones who aren't being looked after. Those are the I'll, fans I'll, who are I'll, being overlooked. Can I just go on a tangent and give you a quick little story that explains something? Go so on. me and you are lucky and we're in a final position. We can afford you know, good seats and you know we're, we're fully close to the players. We get a bit of engagement, blah, blah, blah. We're fairly lucky. I know a guy that was injured at work in the 90s 
and he's you know been pretty much on struggle street ever since. Every year he puts his one dollar coins into a money box when he gets them, and that pays his membership. It's the only luxury he has in his life is to go to the Knights. You know, he, he, he uses oh, his pension geez. card to go on the bus or the football. He can't afford to buy anything at the game, games because everything's so expensive. You know, he's, he's still got his same jersey he had from the nineties, and he gets no engagement from the club. Yeah, the club. The, you know, he, he's so far away. He sits. You know, he sits up on the hill. He can't go down to the fence because of his, you know, his, his injury issues and stuff. And he yeah. doesn't. But he doesn't. He, he, there's no way. For, he, if we had member events regularly throughout the year, we had nights. You know, he, he could get to things. He could actually meet players. He doesn't get to go to any of that. And he has not missed a game this club has played since the nineties. That's what's. Yeah. That's what's gone wrong with his club. That guy should be a legend in our fan base, and no one even knows he exists. That's what's wrong with the club. I think, um, I think actually, funnily enough, your story has probably answered our next question, which is apart from the players, who needs to accept accountability for the poor form? Who should quit? Look, I don't know who should or shouldn't quit, but I think the way the club is run from the top down is indicative. I think in a lot of ways, sometimes poor form can be a symptom. And yeah, the lack of fan engagement, sorry, not the lack of fan engagement, I'll retract that, but there's something missing. There's just something, there is just something that's missing in the club at the moment. From- the heart and soul of the Newcastle Knights is not there. What yeah. we know this club for and what we all think the Knights are is not who the Knights are. Yeah. They're just not. I want to finish uh, question time on a lighter note. This is more of a comment than, um, uh, fresh off the back of that, Bredo, you've, uh, you've, you've, taking my feet out from under me because this is probably going to thud now but um i do like this from turd turd ferguson at wolf singlet on uh, twitter he says uh, this is just a comment it's not a question he says i'm living overseas so my only options are to either pay 20 dollars a week to at watch nrl to see the knights get pumped or smash my penis repeatedly in a door frame i'm saving some money but boy my cock is sore <laughs> way way less sore than my eyes are watching that rubbish <laughs> Bredo, we uh, look. We have once again managed to rabbit on for two hours. See, this is this is whoever's still listening at this stage, and I certainly hope you are, because Bredo. Get help! Has, Get help! No, Bredo has managed to um, pull my heartstrings on two separate occasions over the over the past um, seventy-two hours. So um, that 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 story you've told is actually that's that's really impacted me. So. And that, and that guy, and that guy listens, and he, you know, he, he, he'll never admit to who he is. And he, but he, I know I've done that since I was a kid. Mate, he's the heart and soul of this club. Like I, I love him. He never, he, the boy can barely move, and mate, he gets there in the biggest thunderstorms I've ever seen. The man's a legend. Love him. And I just, I, I think, I think in a lot of ways, you know. We, the team's not doing well, and you sort of start. Well, what are we looking at? What are we doing? You know, what matters? And I think at the end of the day form will sort of come and go but it's like i always said about rugby league it's the people that you know and it's the people that you're involved in and and as long as there are you know the people like that that you've mentioned that, that that's i think that's why we'll keep going to the night's games and that's why we'll keep doing the pod and we'll keep talking about it because at the end of the day it's still something that matters and um i love them to, to, uh, you know it's, it's it really is a case of the nights are like you know, I, I may love you, but I don't have to like you all the time. And uh, I think at the moment I'm just not liking them as much as I normally would. Uh, we love that we're not in love with them. Mm. 
But uh, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you um, about Rugby League. And um, thank you again, as usual, to our major sponsor, A-plus Contracting and Polywelding. Uh, do contact them for all your contracting and polywelding needs. I think we've done about... Tw- oh, 20 of these and every single one I've gone in going give the sponsor a shout at the very beginning and I've always failed to do that so um but, that, but that's how that but that's how the meeting is like that's exactly the role he plays in the hunter he's, he's, he's a real you know a real heart and soul man of our community mm. and that's how he plays under the radar mm. so uh Husey, I know you do listen to us occasionally know that we do we do love you and all the work that you yeah, do yeah we're not just spending your money on beer but that's uh, doing a podcast <laughs> Final hints, hints, tips, or um, thoughts that you want to share before we um, before we call it a, a, a night. The Raiders are our bunny. We win this week. Oh yeah, get on. But I'm already con- well, I'm already convinced we'll um, we'll make finals. You know, we've got the Penrith and Storm games out of the way now. Now we move on to the our season starts uh, this weekend. Yeah. Then we have the, then we have the bye and then Raiders back to the Times and away we go. Oh, bring it on. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll. Um, Catch you next time. See you guys. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember... Social media isn't a bad place, you just need to follow the right people.